This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. First up, just so I can get my levels, tell me what you had for breakfast. Uh, I had a great breakfast, kanji, chicken kanji with all kinds of toppings. It's probably my favorite part of being in Singapore. You're listening to Bookmark with me, Uma Paganampake Pagan. This last weekend, I was at the 2017 edition of the Singapore Writers' Festival, their 20th, where I managed to catch up with one of my favorite science fiction writers. Ken Liu, author of The Paper Menagerie, The Grace of Kings, and The Wall of Storms, had recently written and published a new novel set in the Star Wars universe called The Legends of Luke Skywalker, and I got a chance to geek out with him a little bit. Here we are in a quiet corner at the lobby of the Fullerton Hotel, talking Star Wars. Could you introduce yourself and what you do? Hello, my name is and the like. Sure. Hello, my name is Ken Liu. I'm a speculative fiction author. Uh, I am the author of a collection of short stories called The Paper Menagerie and Other Stories. And I also have um, an epic fantasy series out called The Dandelion Dynasty. Uh, and the first book is called The Grace of Kings. And I'm here to attend the Singapore Writers' Festival. Ken, I've read all of your work. And there was so much that I wanted to talk to you about. But given that we're only a month away, can we talk about Star Wars? Uh, Sure. So, uh, um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, uh, So I I just wrote uh, and published a Star Wars novel uh, called The Legends of Luke Skywalker. It came out on Halloween, uh, October 31st. Uh, and my understanding is that copies are available here in uh, Singapore and probably around the world. Um, and uh, it was such a joy and pleasure to get to be part of the Star Wars universe, uh, which is something that's been important to me since I was a child. And tell me what that was like, because I read your blog entry and there was a palpable sense of excitement even in your blog entry when you discovered and announced that you were writing a Star Wars novel. I'm assuming... You were obsessed as a kid, and then you grew up reading and finding everything you possibly could, like most of us. Yeah, actually, uh, the way I came to Star Wars fandom is uh, kind of a slightly unusual story. So um, I was a kid in China, uh, and uh, back in the 70s and 80s, most American films weren't weren't, weren't shown in China. And so my first exposure to Star Wars actually wasn't through the films at all. Uh, I had heard the name Star Wars. I, I knew that these movies were out, uh, but I, I had no idea what they were like. Um, and when I was in second or third grade, uh, my school had this free reading period um, where the teacher brings out a box of books and we could pick out a book and we would read for an hour. Um, these were not supposed to be books that were related to serious academic right. pursuits. Uh, they were just for fun. And so when the box came to me, uh, I had a choice between uh, a biography of Confucius written for children <laughs> and uh, this other book, which looked amazing. It had uh, this guy uh, with a lightsaber writing on something that looked like a big snow lizard. And I was like, oh, this, this looks very cool. I, I want this one. And my teacher was not very approving of this choice at all. My teacher sort of looked at me and said, you know, you, you really need to think about Think about Confucius. Think about studying. You know, wouldn't you rather learn about the deeds of the sage? And I was like, ah, no, I, I like the pew, pew, pew. That, that, that's what I want. Uh, and so my teacher was very disappointed, but, but she let me have it. 
Uh, and so that was my first exposure to Star Wars. It was a, it was a novelization of The Empire Strikes Back. And I, I read it and I fell in love with the world. It was just amazing. I, this is a universe in which there was magic and princesses and, 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 and the idea that, you know, if you just had enough faith um, uh, in, in the force, you could accomplish wonders. And, and I simply fell in love with the galaxy far, far away and I couldn't help myself. And so um, ever since then, I've, I've been uh, a fan of Star Wars. And in fact, in college, uh, there was one time where right before an exam, I was supposed to stay up all night and cram for it. Uh, but I said, well, studying is very hard work. So <laughs> I went to the bookstore right around the corner and I bought myself the latest Star Wars trilogy. And I said, here's what I'll do. I'll study for an hour and then read a little bit of Star Wars as a treat for myself. So I studied for like 15 minutes and I was like, that's a lot of studying. It's My a lot. brain is really, really overworked. And I think I need to give it some pep, you know, give some energy by reading Star Wars. So I started reading. After one chapter, I was like, maybe another chapter. And, and, and this went on. And before I knew it, uh, the eastern sky was brightening. And uh, I had apparently successfully pulled an all-nighter, except I did no studying whatsoever. But I did finish the trilogy. And so that morning, as I was rushing off to take my exam, having done a grand total of 15 minutes of studying for it, um, I, I, I was thinking, gosh, if my second grade teacher could see me now, she would point out, this is, this is, this is what happens when you pick the pew, pew, pew over the words of the sages. You know, this is what happens. No, what happens is decades <laughs> later, you end up writing those books. Exactly. So I said, you know, honestly, I regret nothing because, first of all, I did successfully graduate. You know, I didn't <laughs> fail. Uh, and second of all, you know, I, apparently, you know, I was, I was on a path of destiny. That moment when I pick... The Empire Strikes Back was a moment that decades later would culminate in me writing a Star Wars book. So, Ken, tell me this. I mean, your work is, there are lots of high concepts in your short stories and in your novels. But, of course, Star Wars tends to lean towards fantasy. Was there much of a shift in style in that? I've got The Legends of Luke Skywalker, and I, I only got it yesterday at Kinokuniya over here, and I've been racing through it, but I'm about five chapters in, so I haven't gotten to much meat, but it's very different. Um, I would say that I write all sorts of things. I mean, if you take a look at my collection, uh, it's got hard sci-fi, it's got noir, it's got fantasy, it's got magic realism, it's got all sorts of things. Um, I've actually never really paid that much attention to genre labels or genre boundaries. Um, for whatever reason, um, you know, as a reader, I never really cared about what section of the bookstore a book was found in. So um, genre labels never matter to me as a reader. And so when I started writing, it didn't really matter too much to me as a writer either. I always like stories that are about metaphors, but um, stories where the metaphor is made literally true. Uh, and, and so... Um, that leads me to write speculative fiction. And whether the metaphor is some sort of hard sci-fi, high concept uh, idea like you were mentioning, or some kind of fantastical, mythical force, um, it really didn't really matter that much to me. Um, for me, it's all the same kind of storytelling. And so that aspect of it didn't really um, change too much for me when I was writing Star Wars. What did change, of course, was for my original fiction, I'm the only one in charge, and I get to make all the decisions in the universe. But when it comes to Star Wars, I'm participating in a grand tapestry of collaborative storytelling 
um, with all these wonderful creators who stood before me, and I had to fit my ideas into their world. And so that was a challenge, but it was a lot of fun. You know, one of the most interesting things about Star Wars and the universe, and what I felt was quite impressive about George Lucas, was once he was done with those films, he pretty much gave everyone a free reign to do whatever they wanted with their role-playing games and he kind of lost control with the video games and the books and the novels and the comics and all of that stuff. I mean, it became, it became so big that you couldn't manage it. And then, of course, Disney kind of pulled the reins in when they launched the new film. But I wanted to ask you about that toy box because now you're getting into that toy box and you get to play. What is that process like? Um, so I can't say too much about the details of the actual process of working with uh, Lucasfilm Publishing. Um, I can say that it was a wonderful experience. It was, they were very supportive of my ideas. Um, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun to, to, to learn the process and to, to know how to become a Star Wars author. And of um, course, you get to play with the Holy Trinity as well. I mean, you're not just writing about Tarkin or whatever. You've got, sure. you know, Luke, Leia, and Han, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, you know, it was a huge honor and, and, and a, a great deal of fun to participate uh, in this collaborative effort. Uh, Luke had always been actually very intriguing to me as a character because um, what I find interesting about Luke is that he's a character uh, who um, your reaction to him changes over time as you go on your own journey through life. My reaction to Luke when I was, um, you know, eight, nine-year-old, it's very different uh, when I was an an 18, 19-year-old and very different from when I was in my 30s and and so on and so forth. And so um, as you go through your own journey in life and become either wiser or more cynical, depending on your perspective, um, you come to see Luke's choices in a different light. And, and so uh, the Legends of Luke Skywalker is not so much about Luke per se, but rather about the way other people per, uh, view Luke and, and what Luke means to him. Um, one of the interesting things about life is, um, for us, the deeds of famous men and women eventually lose all detail and become bare outlines into which we fill uh, with the colors of our own perception of the human condition and what we think um, uh, makes sense for people placing to their circumstances. And so Luke is like that. Luke is a figure. The, the premise of my book is Luke is a figure of legend, uh, not only because he's named Skywalker. Uh, I mean, with a name like that, how can you not be a legend? But, <laughs> uh, but also because he is one of the most famous people in the galaxy. And yet most people don't know much about the details of his life. And, and so um, his deeds become bare outlines into which people fill um, with their own colors. And, and so my book is a set of stories about how different narrators and different uh, uh, storytellers with their own agendas uh, end up using Luke um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a vehicle to go on their own narrative journeys, to express their own views about the galaxy. And I found to be really interesting to, to write a book this way. I don't think, um, I haven't, at least I haven't seen a lot of books done in uh, the Star Wars universe that takes this approach, but I pitched the idea and, and, and they liked it. And so, so here we are. Well, whether consciously or unconsciously, I think that works really well, especially in this day and age, because exactly what you said, this idea of, mismaking and changing narrative exists today 
while those individuals are still around, I mean, you know this better than me, If you, even if you take Donald Trump, for example, with everything he says and does, the kind of shifting narratives and myth-making happens almost simultaneously with his tweets. Right. It's an interesting exercise. It, it, it is interesting. You know, we live in an age where the myth-making is happening in real time, if you will. And, and so, you know, no matter who we're talking about, as long as somebody who's in the public uh, perception, they... They, they become um, uh, a kind of metaphor into which we pour our own hopes and fears. Uh, and I, 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 I like that because this is not so much about how – this is not some sort of postmodern um, uh, cry about there being no truth. That's, that's not what my point is at all. I, I'm not actually interested in that sort of cynical view. I, my point, rather, is – um, the the very way we make myth and, and and make legends out of real people is actually a very important way in which we construct our own narrative about who we are, uh, about what kind of uh, people we are, and what kind of society we want to live in. Um, and I wanted to, you know, this is a novel aimed um, at the junior uh, reader level, so eight to twelve year olds. But it's also, you know, I, I wrote it so that it could be enjoyed by the parents of, of target readers. And, and really by fans who are 8 to 88 years old um, all, all over and, and beyond. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I celebrate the, um, the kind of joy, the kind of effervescent giddiness um, that Lucas described as sort of the, the heart of the Star Wars aesthetic. I wanted to put that in there and, and to write a book that uh, brought back for me the joy of my initial discovery of the Star Wars universe. This is a this is a galaxy of legends of of endless possibilities. Also, it's Star Wars. It's very hard to be cynical about Star Wars. That's right. right? Um, actually, it's interesting because uh, both of the Star Wars projects you've been involved in recently, uh, both of them involve different points of view. Uh, the mm-hmm. collection of mm-hmm. stories. Um, you had the Sith data cruncher, yes, uh, which was an absolutely fantastic story, <laughs> by the way. Um, uh, in a collection of great little points of view. Were you the kind of person who was always wondering what was going on in the background while these movies were taking place? Yeah, I, I absolutely, um, you know, one of the great things about Star Wars is that if you look at the movies, um, everything has a lived-in feel it to does. it. You know, the armor is is um, scoffed and, and the, the spaceships are scorched uh, and engines are jury-rigged to, to function. Uh, everything has a history. Everything has a has a feeling that it's been there for a long time. That when we talk about um, thousands of species, um, you, you feel like each of them actually is real. And, and this is a grand universe where everybody has a story. And so um, I've always wondered, you know, what happens in the background of the Death Star? What, what do the low-level functionaries do? Because, you know, if you know anything about modern navies, um, they run on paperwork more yes. than they do on anything else. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think somebody mentioned that a, a nuclear submarine goes to sea with more paperwork uh, than than actual armament. Uh, and, uh, and and so the idea that you you have to have a functioning military like this, a modern, um, uh, highly bureaucratic military, that 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 how how such a um, organization with function has always been very fascinating to me. And so I wrote my story to sort of probe into that a little bit. What happens when somebody makes a mistake and need to, you know, CYA and... and, and we uh, lost the escape pod. Yes, yes. And we need to figure out what to do. And so here's a story about what officers in the Imperial Navy would do to make sure that they don't get punished for mistakes. So this must be just an absolute dream. 
yeah, it was uh, <laughs> so much fun to to get involved in the Star Wars universe and then right on. I mean, obviously, I, I definitely enjoy working with the Star Wars universe and trying to um, participate in this toy box that I've always loved and wanted to be part of. Because, Ken, I mean, you know, there's that fantastic book uh, from the editor of Wired about the history of the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he talks about how he spent some time trying to find some place which has not been touched by this piece of pop culture legend, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually he finds, I think, a, a Navajo community or something like that, where they were going to screen the first official translation of Star Wars into that language. And he was so excited. And as it starts rolling, one of the guys leans over to him and goes, oh, is this the one where the guy's his dad? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, you know, that's another thing that's kind of interesting. Star Wars has become a modern mythology. Uh, it's become a shorthand in which we speak about all sorts of things. Uh, when we talk about the evil empire, you know, President Reagan invoked it Correct. against the Soviet Union. And, and uh, baseball fans talk about the Yankees being the evil empire. I mean, it's sort of <laughs> Star Wars has become a, 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 a mythological shorthand by yeah. which we talk about a lot of things, which also means that um, new fans who come to Star Wars often – don't see the movies uh, until they already pretty much know everything about it. Similar to me. I mean, I didn't get to see the movies until I know all the stories. And and so the idea of retelling and myth-making and legend-making of the very story of Star Wars itself, this meta-myth-making, is also part of fandom. And so my book sort of tapped into that too, the idea that none of us now comes to these stories uh, totally fresh. I want to recapture that sense of wonder, but I also want to um, give readers that sense that part of the playfulness of Star Wars is the meta-ness of fandom, the way that we now experience these stories as retellings of something we already know. But also there is a sense of unfettered joy as mm-hmm. well that I find fans and creators alike seem to indulge in when it comes to this universe more so than a lot of us as we should i i think i think the uh, one of the things that lucas set up and and uh and and it has been preserved is this effervescence uh this this giddiness about the world uh that uh Which that seems I, to have transcended all the usual criticisms about marketing and toys and corporate greed i think it's it's weird. It's Star Wars and like Mickey Mouse that parents, even the most cynical of parents, are willing to look beyond. Well, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ken, thank you so much for your time. I think I've got everything I need. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Great. Thank you very much. That was Ken Liu. He is the author of many things, including The Paper Menagerie, The Grace of Kings, and The Wall of Storms. I urge you to go check out his two most recent works in the Star Wars universe. They are The Legends of Luke Skywalker and a brilliant short called The Sith of Data Work, which you can find in the Star Wars 40th Anniversary Collection called From a Certain Point of View. All of these are, of course, available at all good bookstores. I caught up with Ken at the Singapore Writers Festival, which goes on until this Sunday, the 12th of November. You can find out more information about that on singaporewritersfestival.com. You've been listening to Bookmark on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.